0: This podcast is made possible by Neumann Berlin, a world-leading manufacturer of studio microphones and monitors for TV, radio broadcasting, recording, and audio productions. Made with exquisite German engineering and timeless durability, Neumann has been recognized with numerous international awards for its technical innovations. Learn more at neumann.com. Hey, it's Larry Crane. Welcome to the Tape Op Podcast. In 2002, we interviewed Tucker Martine, then a resident of Seattle, and making some cool records with people like Bill Frizzell and Danny Barnes. A few years later, he moved down to Portland, Oregon, working initially out of my Jackpot recording studio and other places, but soon moving his home studio, Floritone, into commercial digs. He's worked with The Decemberists, R.E.M., My Morning Jacket, Nico Case, Mudhoney, Granddaddy, Mavis Staples, K.D. Lang, She and Him and also his songwriting wife, Laura Veers. Tucker was preparing to move into a new studio building, so I thought we should check in and see what was up with him. So I went back, I looked in, at your interview, but in Tape Op before. Oh, man. Do you know what year that was? 90.
1: 2000,
0: 2002. No, 2002. You probably okay. did it like a year before, because yeah. it took us forever to get right. things in there, but it was 2002 when that published. That's 16 years Ancient. ago. Ancient, Right? I was in my first basement. You were in the I basement have. in yeah. South Seattle or wherever, right? Yeah. And uh, before you moved down to Portland. Yeah, way before. And uh, and and you, you know, the credits, I remember some of the credits, like, oh, yeah, he worked with so-and-so. But I was like, it's a totally different ball game from where, oh, where yeah. you are now. <laughs> I know. Sometimes
1: I'm like, oh, what, a, what an honor to have been in the tape-up world so early. But then I'm like, yeah, it didn't really... It,
0: it, doesn't even represent who you are now yeah it's funny i mean it yeah. does there's your interests and and your field recordings and, and things that scott Colburn was obviously excited about yeah it was definitely skewed yeah. specifically towards specific <laughs> interests interest. that he yeah. had at the that's top. how scott is yeah. <laughs> yeah bless him you know yeah, yeah he's got really cool taste Definitely. Um, but yeah it's funny because i was i was looking at that and i was like oh my god like that is it's it's amazing when we have an interview that's so far so old that so much has changed. Yeah, you know, and it would be that it was it's like that with a lot of people, but specifically in your case, I feel like we it's just miss it's there's a huge arc and a huge change yeah. and everything, you know. So I I, just, I was just trying to figure out how to approach this, but I think I think like one of the questions would be like, what I don't even really know, but what prompted your move to Portland back then?
1: When how long ago was that? It's been i think 11 or 12 years right maybe 11 and a half yeah Damn. um you know Damn. i was coming down here to work with the All mm-hmm.
0: all
1: right and uh it was summertime and everything in the northwest is just gorgeous in the summertime and i'd been in seattle for about 15 years already at that point point. Yeah. and seattle was changing fast and it
0: yeah I definitely. Was
1: kind of looking around and it just didn't quite feel like the place that i fell in love with <laughs> when i moved there at the yeah. end of 92 and um, and Portland just seemed a little, you know, everything just felt a little more low key. But it it had some of those things I loved about the Northwest, and um, definitely. But it it hadn't yet been taken over by developers. What do you think about it now? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's definitely it's 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 developing pretty quickly, yeah. but I still love it. I mean, yeah. I just feel, I feel fortunate to have been able to kind of get in and, and get, you know, like be able to buy a house before mm-hmm. it got even crazier and all that stuff. So, yeah. um, Yeah, I love living here. You know, yeah, you live in a
0: cool neighborhood. Yeah, Alberta is really nice up there. There's a lot of uh, places to eat and everything too.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, we can walk. We have like basically a village we can walk to, and (laughs) then you know we've got two little boys and great place to raise the family. Portland is because lots of parks, lots of outdoors. (laughs) Not a lot of days that you might want to be outside. You know, I knew you, I knew Mm -hmm. some people down here, but not not a lot. But it just it felt just low key and i was and i've always been drawn to that you know i grew up in nashville but i left yeah the morning after my high school graduation like the first (laughs) possible day um i've never really sought to be in necessarily like one of the music meccas i just i just want to kind of be part of a community and and make cool stuff with people that i I like to be around your career is
0: looks pretty good on paper, would you think it would be even better if you'd been like in Nashville or LA or New York or something?
1: Honestly, I mean, the way,
0: how would, how you would know, the way skew? I think
1: about it, I don't think so. I feel yeah. like, I feel like maybe it's because I've been in less obvious places and, yeah. um, you know, had some good fortune, had some luck. Like I think anybody has to have mm-hmm. at some point it, to sort of be able to get, get a leg up in some way. But, um, also, it's just in the right environment to kind of find myself and like out here in the Northwest, like it, it feels fine to kind of do it your own way and yeah. be, to some extent, uh, some extent self-taught and all that. I think in a place like Nashville, where I grew up, everything about music felt like there's kind of the right way and the wrong way to do it, and I knew that wasn't true, but I yeah. couldn't seem to find enough other people that yeah. that also weren't buying into that and i was i thought if i stay here i'm gonna just get hammered into yeah. this kind of mold um granted i mean now talking about current day nashville is a completely different environment oh man and um
0: there's I, people that are more in line with our the way you and i totally started working like vance powell or someone is a great example oh yeah you know and and there's definitely you know things that jack white's brought to town and dan auerbach and
1: yeah it's a whole other people. deal now yeah. i mean if i were if I were graduating from high school today, I'd, <laughs> I'd probably stay. Yeah, you know, yeah, you might go do but, something fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: it's it's a rigid. The the old school studio scene is very rigid. You know, there's yeah. the, there's the union thing. There's the three hour blocks. There's there's a lot of expectations for things to just start right on the dime. You know, like you walk in the door and plug in and start playing. Yeah, I mean it's very different. It's not like
1: very different you come
0: in make a pot of coffee and chat and listen to records and start working right. exactly
1: <laughs> and and also at the time it, it was there was the whole culture of the studio scene being rigid um in my eyes as mm. a as a newcomer but also the just the music scene like the you know the quote-unquote indie scene or the scene outside of mainstream Nashville yeah. wasn't particularly thriving there were some cool things some cool kind of underground things but it wasn't i wouldn't say it was thriving and um you know the northwest by the time i got out here and ended 92 (laughs) it was was, on fire it was going ballistic um, (laughs) you know with the obvious stuff with with quote unquote grunge but you know bill frizzell had moved out Mm -hmm. to seattle and wayne horvitz like some people kind of in the jazz and experimental world that i was also you know i've always had an interest in that and um definitely but I, I loved the idea that it just felt like there's all kinds of music happening out here, and, right. and everyone seems interested in what everyone else is doing. They're not like, well, man, we here's how you do it. You yeah. Know, like, <laughs> yeah. Do yeah. it you know, the right way or don't do it at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, and you,
0: and you have, I think, uh, Seattle especially had a really great legacy of people like Jack and Dino and, oh, and, yeah. and Stuart Steve Halliburton, Fisk. And Steve Fisk. I mean, there's so many. Uh, Phil Eck. Yeah. I and mean, there's a lot Phil. of people I can rattle off you know who've been in the mag too yeah john goodmanson you know yeah Uh, really really talented people who you can easily learn stuff from too like if you work if you work with them or hang out you just get little tips oh yeah and and their records sound good you know yeah
1: so they're just that's kind of key they they just make one great record after another yeah
0: yeah (laughs) yeah it's inspirational it is i think that everyone kind of came at it from more like a ad hoc musician sort of attitude as opposed to like you know I went to an academy yeah you know or
1: something yeah oh you know? absolutely and i they everyone was always has always been really accessible you know and mm-hmm. called Definitely. steve fisk up out of the blue as like a 20 year old and like <laughs> can i take you out to lunch you know and just picked <laughs> his brain and he was just he's just happy to talk about oh, whatever it was yeah and you know certainly he's not one to um glamorize the no. The business, and uh, I appreciate that because yeah. turns out it's not particularly g- glamorous. But um, <laughs> I didn't get in it for the glamour. <laughs> yeah, what's
0: your life? Isn't your life all caviar and uh, and hummers?
1: Yeah, but today's limo f- forgot the caviar, so I, I showed up in a bad mood. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! <laughs>
0: so when when you um, by the time you got down here, you were you were getting more more established. You'd got you'd started working on that stuff with Chris Walla, the Decemberist Records. Too. Yeah.
1: Chris Walla yeah. helped wrote me into the first December's record that I got to work Right. With, the Crane Wife. Yeah, named after my wife, of course. Yeah, yes. yeah. Of course. <laughs> I laughed when that record came out. I'm like, what the hell? I actually never put that together. For <laughs> that's some <reason>. really weird.
0: <laughs> I mean, it is an older story. That's yes, not, that's not Colin. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: It's borrowed. Yeah, that's so funny. Um, but yeah, that what you know. Looking back, that that was. I feel like. I don't I guess a break or something, mm-hmm. if, if that's the right term. But um, it was a major label record. I don't think I had probably produced a straight-up major label record yet. I mean, I'd done some stuff for Nonesuch Records, mm-hmm. which was a major affiliate. But, um, you know, that definitely helped, and I felt, I mean, I've always stayed busy, but I felt yeah. like around that time I started staying busier with things that were a little bit, I guess higher profile or yeah. just more established artists, which, which is fun too. I mean, I still yeah. love working with new people. But, oh, totally. Um, how how much
0: time? I mean, do, how far out do you get booked these days? Do you have
1: a? Yeah, I used to be. I I used to not be very disciplined and and mm-hmm. would let it. It would get sometimes to like eleven months, ten oh, or eleven God. months, and <laughs> then I think when the kids came around, I just realized that. That's It's not good mm-hmm. to to not have any flexibility in yeah. your schedule that far ahead. Jesus. So I've started just being a little bit pickier. And, yeah. um, I mean, right now, it's only a few months out because I'm building a new studio. Right. We'll talk about that more in yeah. a sec. <laughs> and, you know, I have to allow yeah. not only time to kind of be over there helping oversee it and plan it, but also Moving. know that the change is going to come and, and leave a generous window for all that because you can't just plop this stuff oh, in yeah. the corner of a room oh, and God. get get going <laughs> our, our, our move
0: the jackpot move 10 years ago took like you know just untold numbers of months it felt like of, right of moving the gear setting it up and fine tuning and wiring and oh yeah and we did as much pre-roll as we could kind of we still just got hammered in it was like no money coming in right. You know? and it's like, right it's it's one of the hardest things you can go through
1: i know the one thing unfortunate right now because i i'm still renting my old place yeah until i'm ready to move right um, so i can keep working but you know there's going to come a point where there'll be <laughs> at, at least probably two months of yeah. just getting the gear over there hooked up all God. wired up running the lines testing the lines yeah discovering some problems we didn't expect and dealing with those how long ago
0: did you start uh did you take over that space there were, there it's been seven no. years seven years yeah, yeah. That's a beautiful space. That's one of my favorite places to work in town. Oh, thanks. Besides Jackpot, of course. Yeah,
1: yeah, same here. That's <laughs> you know, funny. Um, yeah, you know, I would, Yeah, I, I would came here whenever I could before I had my own right. place. But it's just like the Decemberist
0: EPs and the REM demos. Yeah, and, yeah. And
1: did some spoon mixes here. Oh, funny. Yeah, that's yeah. right. I forgot about that. Surely some other things too. But um, yeah. I no, I love Jackpot. And I might be, if I'm stuck without a studio, <laughs> you might, you I might, might be, be calling, calling again. Hey, let us know. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. So seven years ago,
0: you built that space out. Yep. And and what it prompted... I thought I'd be there a lot longer. What but... prompted the move now to, to... I mean, I know you were buying well, a building, yeah. too, which is awesome. The so
1: Kind of long and short of it is yeah. I've been renting, and now we're somehow able to buy this spot that's closer to home closer to my kids school it's yeah. right out like you can walk within a couple blocks you're at food carts and restaurants and yeah. one of my favorite bars in portland new seasons market yeah. you know basically all that stuff which is a perk right. um, i'll have a little bit more space i'll probably have a little like a bed somewhere you know so someone could stay there probably can't right. house full bands but right um so the more i thought about the space I was renting and the elaborate build out I had done and one, you know, my landlord's been pretty cool, but he's a developer, you know, and any old day he could decide whatever he decides. And, um, you know, I thought if I had to move out of there without much notice and not, it would just be a mess because all my crap would have to go to storage and, um, I wouldn't be able to earn money and I'd be spending money. And so oh, I'd definitely. be looking for a place. And I would probably be in such a hurry that I'd end up in some place that wasn't really the right place. A bit temporary maybe. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So I wasn't out seeking a new spot, but I passed this place on my commute to my studio yeah. every day <laughs> and had always been intrigued by the building. It's this just old brick building from the twenties with these really cool ornate details up at mm-hmm. the top. Wow. And, um, It had always just had these black doors that stayed shut, and there was no sign. I never knew what went on in there, but it had always just sort of caught my eye. Yeah. And then I found out that it was the clubhouse for the motorcycle uh, club, the Gypsy Jokers. Really? Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah what yeah it's been their clubhouse for 30 something years they're like a
0: famous gang yeah group uh collective yeah. let's put it that way don't want <laughs> yeah. them after me <laughs> exactly but no that's amazing i didn't know about I, that
1: i i learned i learned not to say gang yeah they're, don't say they're, gang. Not a gang. They're, they're not a gang they're a club they are a, um, club.
0: They're a um, motorcycle club
1: that's right mc that's right yeah <laughs> um so yeah so it's wild the place has a lot of history i mean it was a ton of things before that too but yeah um Wow, that's first long. time I've ever bought a building from a motorcycle club, right? Before, yeah,
0: I mean that's, you know, that's one of the smarter things you can do. I mean, here I'm here. I'm saying this, and I'm leasing my space. But yeah, but you've a very, got a
1: pretty unique arrangement. It is, yeah. yeah. I mean,
0: I'm really good friends with the landlords, and and they're in the business and all this stuff, and it was built for me to move into, right? Yeah, it's pretty unique. Um, but I always felt like the oh, the next step up would be if I had that investment in property because that's something very st- stability and the investment are really smart moves yeah
1: i think you know what i keep saying is that current tucker is terrified and future tucker thinks that this is a good idea (laughs) current tucker's not so sure i think a studio move would give me a heart attack right now (laughs) oh yeah i know i'm just sort of blissfully staying busy enough that i yeah can only worry so much about it it'll happen somehow good has to Do you have
0: someone building it specifically, or do you yeah. design it, or how's it? Well, I'm out?
1: doing the design with Derek Trost, mm-hmm. who's a Portlander yeah. turned Minnesotan, Minnesotan yeah. turned <laughs> Portlander again. Um, and he he drew my first this current studio too, and right. I, I really like working with him. Excellent. Um, he knows his acoustics inside and out. Yeah. but He's also got kind of a a create, you know an artist's brain and he puts up with all the weird stuff I say to him that I want to <laughs> yeah. try or just weird, you know, just weird, design ideas I might have. He's like, yeah, yeah, let's find a way to make that happen. Sure. sure we can do that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And can you do it really cheap too?
0: Yeah, well. exactly. <laughs> are you going to make it look similar to the, the existing flora? Like um, the reclaimed wood and stuff like that?
1: I'm still sorting that out that yeah. I've, most decisions are made, but that yeah. is still up in the air. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't found something I I like better yet. Yeah. So, you know, and also there's something acoustically benevolent about just like old wood that's right. got inconsistent texture and cracks in it and stuff. Yeah, it's different. Yeah, it's and just, it looks good, but you know, it can end up looking like the set of Hee Haw too. Yeah. But I grew up in Nashville, <laughs> yeah. and a lot of the studios looked like that, and I have a certain Was nostalgia it for it. You know, quad, quad. Oh yeah. Old room at Quad. Yeah. yeah totally. <laughs> sound emporium a lot yeah. of those places yeah you know and that the iso booths look like shacks like yeah. they had oh, actual god. thatched right. roof yeah i've seen some of those yeah. <laughs> yeah oh my god there's a soft place in my heart for those oh, places because they were the first studios that i ever saw right you did know? your dad ever i
0: mean your dad for for the listener at home your dad is a, a nashville-based songwriter yeah and, and and had some pretty big songs and even his own hit back in the day yeah yeah he
1: did. they tried to groom him as an artist when he yeah. first got to nashville and he oh, kind man. of went with it for a minute and then he was like you know what i'll, I'll write some I, songs i want to be a family guy i yeah. want to write the songs and let someone else go out to the bars every night and yeah. sing them but um did he take you to studios when you were young i would go sometimes because he would have demos recorded yeah. of his songs so that to pitch to the artist so that they sounded pretty good and yeah. um you know, as it just happens sometimes with parents, you're like, "All right, well, I guess I'll, I'll just have to bring this one of my kids with me because <laughs> can't the leave them and be at home." Quiet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I remember um, just thinking that the places were some. I mean, I didn't really understand what was happening, but something magical, yeah, was was happening to me. You know, like wait, they're in the other room, but we're listening to them in here, and they sound like bigger than the, you know. <laughs> god <laughs> they sound <laughs> and, like
0: a record in this room yeah and then
1: whoa what just happened now they're down a well wow oh, how'd yeah. you do that or whatever it was i'm just yeah. i was in oh my god um and yeah i definitely remember seeing some uh, uh some bags of like miscellaneous substances <laughs> i didn't know what they were which i can assure you you know my my dad was not having anything to do yeah. with but it's it, it's in the music business yeah, that, that was uh, oregano and baking powder yeah. <laughs> yeah for some reason studios always kept that on hand oh, yeah. back then. Good. <laughs>
0: when did you start playing drums like in your teens or something
1: the drums were kind of preceded any of my other musical yeah you know forays i was in fifth grade when i joined my first band wow. and honestly i think i started playing drums in the fifth grade i started playing drums because my friends were playing guitar and bass and singing and i thought hey. they sounded all right <laughs> and I thought if I play drums, I have a band right away. It wasn't like I oh, played right. drums and then I went to look for a band. I found a band and so I went to I learned <laughs> drums. <laughs> That's insane. Um yeah. So and we we worked for for the 3 or 4 years that I was in the band. We were busy. We were a cover band and we got we played all the proms <laughs> and great. like the the frat parties and stuff. Oh my god. Yeah, I mean I was Sure, I earned more money playing music in that band than I ever did playing in an original band as an adult. Yeah, (laughs) your parents are like, "What is he up to?" (laughs) You're not buying cars, right? No, I mean we were. I wasn't getting rich, but we were. You know, we were doing it. We were able to buy buy PA and lights and and just keep our gear going. And we had a little band bank account. Every once in a while. We would we would all get to take something out. What was the band called? We were called Rub the Buddha. Rub the Buddha. Well, first we were called Wet Dog Zone, and then we outgrew that name. (laughs) I guess we became too cool for that, and we became Rub the Buddha. Rub the Buddha. (laughs) That is crazy. I've never heard this story. I love it.
0: That's funny. Did you start? Did you keep playing like through high school and stuff?
1: I did. Yeah, in high school, then I tried to. I was playing more with friends. You know, doing original music. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you know, the REM set obsession of the kind of mid-'80s, <laughs> yeah. late-'80s had taken full effect. And, oh, yeah. Everybody uh, had the jangle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was kind of chasing that sort of thing. But, you know, no bands that ended it. yeah really making a big splash or do you anything. still play much do you play on laura's I, stuff? I, I play yeah. i play on laura's laura beers records usually yeah. we should say her last name yeah, yeah well <laughs> your wife's name is <laughs> <Yeah>. laura beers <laughs> I'm, soon she'll be a household name i'm sure <laughs> um yeah i play on her records i've tried not playing like i've had some of my favorite drummers play on her records but yeah uh you know it was it was a kind of a cool reminder that we just have a chemistry where even though I, i'm not nearly the drummer a lot of these people are um the music didn't necessarily get better and mm-hmm. the tracks didn't even necessarily come to life right. more with these phenomenal players whom i admire so much um so i just learned to appreciate the chemistry that we have and just yeah. creatively i think we kind of bring the best out of each other so that's no, cool um I remember seeing you to...
0: play shows, like, playing with her, and it just oh, yeah. always sounds great, you know? Thanks. I used yeah. to
1: do that, but I, I never was comfortable on stage either for really? some reason, so I think I found my home yeah, in the, <laughs> in the
0: studio. You sent someone else on the road. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll,
1: I'll, you know, make some suggestions yeah. in the studio, and then they can go out and play it every night for three years. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> I know. That is the thing. I mean, you
0: know that... I was in, was in Elephant Factory when Jackpot opened, and pretty right. soon I wasn't. You know, I was just like, I can't,
1: can't yeah.
0: commit to being in a band. Oh, man. You know, rehearsals and shows are just eating into the days I would, could have been making money or making records. But, right.
1: You know, it's right. like too much. Or you have to cut out in a the, the session right when things are, are getting going to go to <laughs> a rehearsal. And yeah. You can only do that so many times before... Someone's mad at you. It <laughs> feels like you need to pick one. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's kind of hard. I, think, I feel like that's sort of one of the weird things that you... I think both our cases, we kind of got into it to to our own creative
1: drive. And then you end
0: up putting that aside and working in other people's things, which is totally fine.
1: You're right. You're right. You know, I started, I got into recording gear because I loved screwing around with it. And just like, I mean, recording myself, recording friends and recording myself with friends. And also just making kind of weird experimental music Mm -hmm. by manipulating things. And, um, you know, whether it's ambient or just... or more abstract stuff, and uh, and that that was really what got me getting deep into it, and then when people started asking me to record them more and more, I thought, well, I can't turn this down, I can quit my job at the bar, um, yeah. and then I thought, oh, well, when this gets slow or when this runs out, dries out, oh, then I'll go back to screwing around on my own stuff, and here we are, you know, 20 years later, but I have actually been scheduling time for myself just to screw around this last year and there's going to be a a new mount analog record before long (laughs) thumbs up (laughs) finally and i'm like oh yeah this is how this all began and oh yeah you know doing screwing around on your own having that playtime, informs like record production and engineering and in really positive ways too right because you definitely you you kind of deepen your relationship with equipment and the studio by just to be able to show up and do whatever you want mm-hmm. and just have a blast with the stuff uh is really important and you know yeah. we all try to do that during sessions and we do to some extent but <laughs> you have to do it within pretty set confines and Absolutely. if you're mess- working on your own stuff you just just go wherever you feel like it and even
0: I've, I've, if i feel like yeah. musicians are really uh conservative at the end of the day. I mean, not politically or something, right. but that they're, they're really conservative. <laughs> not around here. Not around here. No, <laughs> thank God. But, uh, you know, you'll be like, oh, this is a cool thing to put on the snare drum, you know, on a fact or a thing. And it just sends up warning flares all around the room.
1: That's And tough, I'm just, I'm it?
0: amazed because, you know, I feel like you could put on records like oh, that, yeah. they, that they say they love that are even crazier sounding yeah you know like we listened to uh uh that 10cc song with all the backing vocals uh-huh. the other day what is it i'm not in love yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and someone said i want to hear this and they were interested in sort of the pad thing of the vocals right and there's a point in that song where the vocals drown out everything
1: right and oh I, we yeah were like, it's some bold I, mixing
0: it was me and Oz fritz we were sitting here and we're like nice. we're like no client would let me do that right but that's a hit song. Right. So think about that. You know? I know. Or the Joy Division records are so crazy sounding or things like that where someone really took the reins. And, and I don't know we're both fans of like Brian Eno and Lanois. Yeah. And all these people. And they they go nuts with sounds and, and then come back to earth, you know? I know. And then I feel like I'm working records and people, I just like turn one knob and people are like,
1: oh my God, oh, don't do that. Yeah. You know? That's a real tricky one. And I'm, I, I think a lot about it because yeah. if I don't get... Certain amount of experimentation and like allow for some discovery to happen. It's just not rewarding to me, yeah. you know, at this point. Um, and maybe it's not supposed to be rewarding <laughs> to us, but I I feel like it should be. And I feel like if I'm being you know if if my creative senses are being excited, it's ultimately best for the project too. And mm-hmm. I'm never I would never mow down an artist's sensibility just yeah. for the sake of some experiment that I just really want to do, but. Um, yeah. I, I I try more and more to find like conversations to have at the outset with either before I take on a project, before I've accepted it, or at least in the planning of it mm-hmm. to just kind of find those common areas where they're excited about you know things getting maybe getting a little left of center yeah um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I feel like most music I hear, even just on the radio, even pop music yeah. these days and you know the r&b pop music straight pop music uh certainly hip-hop like really creative stuff going on Mm -hmm. with mangling sounds and oh yeah treating stuff and beyond wild breakdowns and
0: crazy stuff yeah and then we're making a a, an alternative rock album and and getting our hands slapped
1: i know (laughs) it's strange
0: i mean (laughs) it's really odd to me you know i mean i I always think about that because i'm like the records that i find really exciting still you know were made with a little bit of abandon, yeah, going on. Like wires one five four always comes to mind. Oh, yeah. Like if that record just goes to the moon or something. Right, it gets really strange at points, and it's like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, I think... okay, computer. I mean, even that, you know, there's, there's oh, records absolutely. that are so beautiful, and and, and they are studio uh, experiments too. There's things going on that are fun. Yeah, and uh why? I, I just I'm always wondering what's wrong with the client when they're they're just getting really knee-jerk about stuff or something
1: yeah i try to always reassure people and just say look you know (laughs) i'll try anything you want to try and i hope you'll try anything i want to try and obviously that has to all be within reason because we have to stay on a certain schedule but um but like the worst thing that happens if you try something you know assuming the thing you're going to try doesn't take three hours but you know (laughs) if you can try something in 10 or 15 minutes or 5 or you 20 whatever you know um if it doesn't pan out if you're not both psyched then just move on yeah. it's fine but like the the fear of of trying something that might not work out is just like paralysis and yeah. and the creative process i think i think it's it's just unhealthy and um yeah i don't know i wish that we had just like a spray that could eradicate it sprayed <laughs> no around. fear no fear <laughs> i mean i
0: think the best records are done with a bit of no fear involved you know Yeah. Carelessness, yeah. you know just to j- dive in and try something a little crazy
1: oh yeah you know St- i mean otherwise it's gonna sound like a million records that have already been made and the world doesn't need more of those i think one thing i've found is that definitely if you um like the earlier in the process that maybe that that some of the more bold choices are introduced. Yeah. The better chance they have of living because people get used to them really mm-hmm. quickly. And if they get used to something a certain way, and it happens to all of us, right? Right. If like, if you've listened to your own rough mix 30 times and you always thought it was great. Yeah. And then they come in with an idea that's maybe really cool, but you're like, I, the thing we've had is great. Let's not yeah. mess with it, you know. Yeah. But it doesn't mean their idea isn't really cool. So yeah. I'm, I'm just always trying to navigate that. Like, what what is just what someone's used to and what is actually you know when are we responding to that you know the actual idea itself versus just being afraid of change but yeah i think um (laughs) do you find yourself having to
0: mediate like say a band of people like something like the decemberists could be we both worked with them and there's a lot of great musicianship in there and but then there's the song you know do you find yourself ever having to mediate between these situations
1: just like between band members yeah 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 certainly i mean flying around the room you know every band has its own dynamic and different um there's usually a leader and sometimes that that leader you know rules supreme yeah and (laughs) and other times it's just kind of like well we're we're a democracy but at the end of the day if there's a a stalemate you know this person yeah we're gonna look to this person and let them decide because Usually that's the songwriter, if there's right. a single songwriter and the singer. Um, right. But, yeah, yeah, a lot of mediating. I, I really want everyone to feel like their ideas are heard and tried. Yeah. And um, and, I, and I encourage people that are resistant to hearing someone else's idea, you know, I encourage them to just let us try it. Yeah. And hear it with an open ear if you can. But um, Sometimes it's just quicker to try it exactly than to talk about it (laughs) exactly and fine i'll print you a rough with and a rough without you know what i mean and in time time will tell yeah we usually make it clear but um (laughs) but yeah there's just i feel like there's mediating on on every project to to, you know sometimes to extreme degrees sometimes there's a lot of dysfunction in bands and other times they just communicate really well and um they they're very clear about their roles and you know everyone yeah. steps up right where they're needed and then kind of disappears yeah when it's not really their spot and yeah um but there's the whole spectrum yeah there is <laughs> <laughs> i don't know you know it's funny it's easy to to like to
0: hang out and talk about sessions and and, and get a little like a crabby about things that have happened in the past or, you know, things you've been through like, what the fuck was wrong with that person? Why would I have to do this for them? Or, you know, but at the end of the day, like we're also there to nurse them all through this, you know, yeah, to make sure this thing stay on track. And, and, uh, you know, you might take a little bit of abuse at times just to make sure that, uh, that the good end results, oh yeah, you know, curated well. Yeah. They're,
1: you know? they're, they're very vulnerable here, right. In yeah. the studio. I mean, they, they, I mean, you'd hope they're vulnerable. you hope that they're going to just kind of be at their most raw or whatever Mm -hmm. because it's time to just, like, get in touch with that thing to, you know.
0: Music and emotions. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And try stuff. Like, go out there and make some sounds that maybe are embarrassing, you know, like Mm -hmm. with your voice in order to try the thing. Yeah. It's fine. Try it. Like, cool. And sometimes some great thing comes out of that or yeah. uh, you know what I, I just try to let people not feel inhibited in any way um it's not always up to, to us right i yeah. mean they've got to kind of meet you there but um but i think that i think that's important yeah to know that that they usually are it, it's a little scary for them and we're so used to it because we're recording someone every day and yeah. people they don't necessarily show it that much we're just going to go in there and i'm just going to play but you know it's a lot of them have been planning this for a year or sometimes more right. or whatever and um it's, some of them their whole livelihood is kind of riding on their next artistic statement and yeah
0: i mean some of the things so, you have done, like my morning jacket or something is a is a small business you know it's yeah a, it's a, these guys are making a living at this band and And if the record comes out and people don't connect with it, then something's going to go wrong.
1: Exactly. But yet if you're thinking about that all day while you're there, you're screwed too, right? (laughs) Don't think too hard. But you you have to respect everything enough to know also, like, yeah, I'm with my buddies and we're screwing around and we're having a good time. But, oh, yeah, we also have to come out of this. (laughs) You know, when the, the budget's spent and the days are done, like, we have to hand in something that I'm psyched about, the band psyched about, the label psyched about, yeah. management psyched about, you know. And the fans and might like. The fans <laughs> might like, and at the same time, the band has to try new stuff to yeah, grow and not just certainly. do the thing that they know people liked before, because that's yeah creative suicide too.
0: I mean, with bands like that, Decemberists or something, you're looking at multiple albums, and 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 you know, there, there is that. How do you what and what what ways do you see bands trying to reach further or change or? Expand. What what kind of things do you find commonly happen at that? Uh,
1: Man, you know,
0: I multiple albums in.
1: Well, I can say this. Yeah, that, that for bands that have been around longer, you know, I know, I, I we've definitely had conversations in the studio with the Decemberists where Colin. I don't think Colin would mind me saying so. You know that he's expressed frustration about that. He's like, okay, I mean, what does the does the world want to hear from a guy in his 40s who's already made like <laughs> yeah. seven albums and you know. Like what? What do I have to say? What? What are, yeah. we, what are we doing? You know, um, and I think those are good questions to ask. And and those are all part of just the, the the more you do, the longer you're in it, the easier it is to repeat yourself. Yeah. So the harder you have to work to not repeat yourself, because yeah, you know true. your first record is not going to sound like <laughs> any of your other records. But um, yeah. And also, it's easier I think when you've done it longer and you've had some success. It's easier to start start to buy some idea of who of who you are and what you do you know what i mean yeah. You're like, oh yeah oh, i'm the guy that writes this kind of song. So people are expecting that right. and then the music's kind of like this and yeah you know <laughs> i i think all that can be tricky right but, i mean have knowing and having an identity is good but also you know you you, you we were the same age ish yeah. i mean like remember rem's trajectory oh yeah they were um and i was on board kind of from the beginning but they threw a curveball every time out but they quite a few you know yeah pretty much always ended up being albums that would kind of reward you if you you know they they might throw you at first
0: yeah but um
1: i mean the (laughs) later stuff after bill berry left and stuff that's sort of like a whole other era but even those first you know however many yeah records um the records keep growing and changing They keep growing and changing yeah, and they don't if you like this record that doesn't guarantee you're gonna like this other record of theirs right. and um i love that about bands yeah and every once in a while you know a band kind of hits the sweet spot and makes a lot of really different records all of which i like or where yeah. their fans would like and right um so i'm <laughs> I, I definitely encourage people to grow and if they're feeling stuck you know, yeah. we kind of kick around different ideas of different ways of writing, like write on a different instrument, All um, right. you know, um, maybe if you've always written alone, maybe, you know, write with someone else right, or, that's true. you know, or like let the whole band in a little bit more on the process in some way. Or if you've always just brought the songs in and the band learned them in the studio, maybe go and, and rehearse them for two weeks yeah. beforehand. Or tour them beforehand, or um, I don't know, you know. Yeah, do th-
0: any any number of ways. Yeah,
1: it. yeah, or, yeah, exactly. Or just decide to, um, you always play guitar on every song. Decide, do you want to write some songs yeah. where there's no guitar strumming throughout it?
0: Right, just to see how that changes everything.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, I live with a songwriter too, and yeah, <laughs> and she goes through it. She's got her tenth record coming out, and so she yeah. runs runs into that stuff a lot about how to keep it fresh. Right. And, um, she changes instruments a lot. She she'll change tunings a lot. That's mm-hmm. that's one way. If you discover yeah. a new tuning, that might make you write a different kind of song.
0: Just different chord tones and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense.
1: December's yeah. you know got a new producer. For their new record and and embraced synthesizers i heard in a one way song that they on had. There, off of there i was yeah. like wow there's,
0: this, there's an arpeggiated set yeah so, yeah john congle When we did a podcast i with loved john john's
1: here, podcast with you. yeah
0: and and you know he's he's a really interesting and creative guy too and so yeah it was real fun i gotta get the album i gotta hear the whole thing
1: he's got clearly like a his own unique way of working and his own pace which i think is a really fast pace, yeah, and just it sounds like... super decisive and not <laughs> precious about much, yeah, and um, in in a great way that that's, just translates. I
0: really like that. I mean, yeah, that's it's you know I I think but here's a great question though, but how how does it feel when you see a band you've worked with on a handful of albums and then they move on to another person? It's like I you know an idiot would think that like then the same thing happened with me. They worked with me, then they worked with Chris Walla, then they worked with you and Chris Walla, right? And now working with John. Um it's like I feel like a narrow-minded person would think like it's like oh I can't believe like my you know I'm being cheated on or something. Oh
1: right. I know it's hard. I mean it is. I'm not going to say it's not yeah. hard. But they they're all friends of mine and we yeah. did a lot of records and you know they we had a good talk about it like yeah. um when when they were starting to just kick that idea around and I knew from having worked with them on a lot of records and and on the last record you could kind of feel that just the way the band was I felt like the way they were interacting and and everything that they that they needed some kind of change. You yeah, know? Yeah. And that could have been something that just happened behind the scenes where maybe they all just kind of reinvented themselves on their own and we you know, and I would have loved to have been there for yeah, yeah. for that <laughs> record too. But um yeah. but it made a lot of sense that, you know. It's so easy for them to come to the studio with me who they made five or whatever you records with. you working methods in place yeah, and, and sort of a flow and Yeah, and you can know. just sort of fall into old habits mm-hmm. and yeah. um, and when you're suddenly you look in there and it's someone new and and they're saying something that you didn't see coming and <laughs> you know um, I I think that I think they did what they set out to do and I'm really glad they did if if I had heard that record and thought like that just sounds like the last record that we made or something. I would have been bummed, you know. I'm well, just like, why, why? did we just do that well, yeah. over here? Like, um, That's true, yeah. And at the same time, and and you know, I said to Colin when we had the conversation about them making the record with John, I I said, you know, I fully fully support it, and I get why, and I and I I think it's it's a good call, and I yeah. really admire John. At the same time, I said to him, just know too that you could always come to me and say. Hey, I really want to change it up. I want to make sure we make a record that's not anything like what we've done before. Right. I want to. I want to. Maybe we make a list of things that we don't do. Like these things are not allowed. And like I want to see. I want to get more of this going on. Whatever it is, more, more synths, more edge, less guitars, more uh, anything, more weird effects, or like whatever. But you know, um, so yeah. You know, I did. I let him know that too. Like don't you know? Don't think that I'm not. I mean, I'd be as psyched as anyone to go there because I, you know,
0: I want to. I think that's an important thing for them, for anyone to understand though is that, you know, you develop, when you work with an artist, especially multiple times, you develop ways of where you find out what they like, you try to accommodate them and make them happy. Yeah. And you, you create a role for yourself of how you interact and how you do stuff, but it doesn't mean it's the only thing you can do, you know? Right. Like I've had people work with me a certain way and then they'll go like, well, do you ever produce? And I'm like if I'm just really kind of engineering or like I've hired a producer, like working with right. Oz Fritz lately, um, I'm like, I I'm no- normally am producing. Right. And didn't you hear me making all those calls on stuff earlier? Like all your vocal right. takes and all your, you okay. know. So it's kind of funny. Yeah. Like they can they can cast a, an engineer producer, especially into a role where um, maybe they're, they're stripping you a little bit of your uh, creativity. Yeah. You know, or, yeah. Or such or, or putting you in a box, so to speak.
1: I think you make you know, a good point yeah. too, you know, because they've. I, a lot of the way that I would interact with a band after five records yeah. is, oh, I know what they like. I know the sort of things they do and don't respond to. Mm-hmm. You unconsciously are oh, kind certainly. of drawing of from it. that <laughs> vocabulary, right? And, yeah. um, yeah, sometimes you just got to change the vocabulary. Oh, yeah.
0: I mean, I think there's there's ways of really changing it up, like you talked about with artists and writing. And so I think there was also just ways to go sonically. Let's just yeah just change it around let's do weird yeah. shit let's play with garbage cans instead of drums and you know yeah things like that and just see what happens
1: and, exactly you let's know go, go to it go to a new environment maybe you know the first my morning jacket record i worked on they had done the the previous one to that in a studio and kind of where they had everything at their disposal and they anything they ever wanted right. to do they could do and um <laughs> and then so the one we did, I think they wanted to react to that as as artists often do, right? Yeah. They want to kind of be like, all right, here's what we did last time, so let's make sure we're not <laughs> doing that. And we made the record in a church, a huge church, all in one room, you know, wow. a loud rock band, everybody just in a circle, <laughs> everything bleeding into everything yeah. else, no computers in the building, Wow. just brought in some tape machines and just you know yeah. some mics and some pre's and i and just like a crappy little board to monitor on and horrible circumstances to monitor under and um yeah <laughs> know yeah i didn't <laughs> yeah, like, hear anything <laughs> you know i just had to let go of the yeah. idea of of like all right man i'm gonna just get really great sounds and all this i just like, we gotta yeah gotta <laughs> you know the best way to get a good sound there is to To stand by their amp and make sure their amp is sounding good. Mm. You know, go over by the drums. Are the drums all sounding good? (laughs) Because the microphones are going to capture that somehow. But I won't really know (laughs) what the microphones are getting until I get out of this cathedral. Um, Where was that church at? That was in Louisville, Kentucky. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's crazy. But then we mixed it. We went to like a really fancy place and mixed it at Blackbird. Yeah. Studio A on their Neve. Oh, man. It was kind of a trip the first day. We just pulled everything up. We're like, oh, that's what we've been recording for the last three weeks. <laughs> Blind production. Um, but it gave it a real sonic signature, you know. Yeah. It sounds just totally unique, and um, and it's fine. Like, yeah, there's tons of drums in the vocal mic, but... That's fine. There's supposed yeah. to be tons of drums. <laughs> Tap happened <them> before. <laughs> yeah. It's on records you really love. <laughs> and as soon as you can't change it, your mind, you just quickly stop thinking yeah. about it. Like, you, you're no longer frustrated that you can't change it because it's just right. a fixed thing. and it's, it's kind of fun sometimes yeah. to create limitations or paint yourself into a corner. That's a pretty fun one. Yeah. <laughs> what,
0: what do you think? Of, I mean, like as we've moved from working with tape dicks or trusty 16 track two inches yeah to like pro tools world you know uh what do you it's it's such a weird the interaction that we have with with our clients and and artists is so weird now where people are telling us like nudging things and and and, and, and a million mix recalls for little tiny details and stuff like what's your take on some of that and i think it's i think there's a lot of disruption to the record making process currently it's really difficult for me
1: yeah i feel really mixed on it because on the one hand i know that that throughout the history of recorded music you know artists cutting edge artists and just artists in general always used the best latest technology that's available to them Mm -hmm. right and let that be part of the process and yeah um and I don't think any of these modern tools are inherently bad, but I th- mm-hmm. I think they come with a lot of responsibility of how to use them. And <laughs> I don't know that anyone, you know, no one was taught that. yeah No one was really taught how to use them responsibly. So um, it can very easily ch- just, like, you know, paralyze the process. I think yeah. with too many options, option anxiety. It,
0: it's crazy. And it, 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 the part that's funny to me is, like, you know, if you remember, as we remember working on tape and things are locked in time, unless you start chopping tape up or doing some really highfalutin tricks like dropping things into a sampler and playing them back. Right, right. You know, things are pretty locked in time. So you, you just, there were just things that didn't even occur to any of us to change sometimes. And now I find people changing stuff where I'm like, I don't hear that. I really don't. I don't hear that. Yeah. Like that sounds in time. No, but it's But I don't true. understand when we're getting into these.
1: The computer zones. kind of invites you to listen in a different way. Like critical. That I'm not that crazy about. Yeah. I love what it's capable of, but it, but it should really only be used when, you know. <laughs> like, don't do it just because you can. What Something that I do on almost all the records I work on that, that's a, a a way to address that a little bit is track all basics to tape. Mm-hmm. So that at least when we're listening back to that band track, you know. Yeah. Um it's people see the tape machine playing as i'm loading it into pro tools or whatever yeah. you know and well because i just load it in on playback always just in case so that we don't have to play it again later <laughs> same, same here yeah. uh, if, if it was the one but yeah. um i think there's a uh, some psychological seed planted there that like no we're just listening for a take like right, we're listening right. to see if this is the take or not we're not listening for fi- for a list of 500 little numbers you're going to write down that we're going to nudge you around <laughs> yeah yeah like if you've you know if you've got a few th- things that you're not happy with with your performance um i mean if several people do yeah. es- especially like we're going to go in in there and we're just going to play it again yeah let's, you know let's, then it's let's not the take it. if yeah. it's got that many problems <laughs> yeah um and that helps because it sort of establishes that mindset of, like, yeah. yeah, we're musicians. We need to go in there and perform it the way that we want to hear it. I,
0: I find that people seem to play better. They, even though they know you could still change it later in, in Pro Tools, but you're tracking a tape and they're like, well, we better really get
1: this. I think so. Isn't that weird? It makes it like, oh no, this moment's really happening because yeah. there's a $300 roll <laughs> tape at, moving. We're looking in there. at my tape decks right yeah. now as we say this. <laughs> <laughs> and that thing might stop working any minute. So let's get this right.
0: <laughs> it might stop. That's why we have two. We can swap heads yeah. and we'll keep working. Yeah. You know? It's it's good because that's terrifying when the tape deck breaks. <laughs> I know. Uh, Been there. Did you you started with an MCI right? Yeah. Yeah. We both had MCI sixteen tracks. Yours was probably the four fourteen or whatever the the the, the, the cream colored transport or the deck. No. Was it the silver plate deck? Like where the on the top part.
1: The top part was—I guess it was cream, like, it was a, like brown. a cast aluminum. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That's because I had the older one, and Calvin Johnson had oh, one too. Oh, that's right. And they were nightmare tape decks. That was an older one. Oh, right. it was the previous okay. version, which was yeah. just this terrible, <laughs> very unreliable machine.
1: Yeah, uh, the same color that a lot of their consoles were, right? Yeah, Oran yeah, they totally. Yeah,
0: yeah, but the older one was just even bigger, bulkier, like a giant yeah. washing machine. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't, I don't miss some of the stress of that
1: oh no i know that's the thing i mean luckily you know we have some good techs in this town mm-hmm. but um yeah but you know it, at this point digital's gotten so good that if if my tape machine went down in the middle of a session and the band was in town from sweden or something yeah. i'd just be like let's just screw the tape machine yeah <laughs> you know? come on. Yeah. Yeah. We don't need it that bad it's not crucial and every once in a while i definitely still track a record just straight to pro tools yeah. for one reason you know it's either i don't know like bill frizzell records um they you know he's they would just want to work super quick and <laughs> yeah, yeah. um they're just kind of they they know him digital sounds great and it's yeah. not like for most of those records you've got like you know, big chunky electric guitars and like bashing drums <laughs> bashing and drums, stuff. That, yeah, like, totally.
0: That really can. Well, it's it's not nice, the clarity of it. If you think like not having the tape in the background. Yeah. And, and wider dynamic range and everything.
1: It's pretty. It nice. It can be really
0: good for for experimental and jazz and yeah. and other music that that needs like dynamics and nuance. Right. You know,
1: real acoustic oriented oh, stuff. Yeah. yeah, and especially you know I'm fond of ribbon mics and mm-hmm. and yeah. the, the old. To be pre's and all that stuff that has some self noise so yeah um, there's plenty of noise yeah. already <laughs>
0: <laughs> we we had one of those
1: get-togethers last night all the right studio people and <sighs> sorry to miss
0: that I'm uh, gonna those catch are, one soon those are fun <laughs> yeah and goofy and and one of the things i talked to someone right away when i got there and i was just like i'm so tired of people you know fetishizing the equipment like they'll come and they'll be like oh it's gonna be great to work with you because you have that console that emt plate and i'm like yeah what about me? You know, like, hello. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and it's kind of a strange thing when, when they, when, you know, I mean, it's sort of like that thing. It's easier to talk about like things that are easy to see than ephemeral qualities, Yeah, you know, or something. But it's like, oh my God, like, it, it, there's times where I'm so sick of recording equipment. I couldn't. I don't want to. Oh, yeah. I don't want people to talk to me about it. I don't care. Right. You know, I don't want them to come in and just start talking about that
1: right away because I'm like, we have to talk about the music yeah. and the feeling of the music. And, I was hearing someone recently who was so excited because they were going to sing to an RE20. That's what Tom York sings into. And I was like, all right. Good, yeah. good luck sounding like Tom York. Good, real good luck.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, and writing ya. songs <laughs> like.
1: Oh, that's funny. Tom York and yeah. you know, and recording like some, Nigel and.
0: I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't mean that doesn't. Singing in an RE20, I just used to do that for punk bands. You know, it doesn't.
1: No, I mean, and none it, of it really means <laughs> anything, right? I mean, yeah. it's nice to have good tools available, and yeah. um, none of it's gonna make a good record for you. Yeah, it's just sitting there. <laughs> that's
0: right. <laughs> it's kind of funny, I mean, with, with the amount. We've got similar amounts of stuff. You might even have more than me at this point. And, and it's like someone will be working with you, and they're like, well, how much are we actually using? You know, right. And right. you're like, well, actually, just 16 preamps and one EQ right now. Yeah. While we're tracking. You right, know, right. You know? <laughs> Two compressors, that's it. Yeah. They're like, what? You know, like you're supposed to put on some dog and pony show. And
1: Yeah, you need to just like hook up a CD and molt it out so all the meters on everything are just going all the time. <laughs> it's getting real exciting. You know, hey, look at all those lights flashing. I know. Well, um, you know, that reminds me of something I think John Congleton had said, which which really resonated with me, which was that the gear is largely there to just to, to inspire us. Right, right. right. No, it's totally. kind of like, um, oh, man, I love the sound of, like, if somebody's playing drums that aren't too cymbal heavy. Yeah. Love bussing those to the TG1. Like, I just love that. It's such a cool sound. And yeah. I love, yeah. like, the fact that nine times out of ten, when I bring that up, everyone in the back of the room's like, yeah, what the hell? That's What's badass. That? Yeah. You know, like, that's fun. like, <laughs> we, like a crunchy we room We want to have some fun. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, like, <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Yeah. And, you know, could we make a great record without those things? Absolutely. But yeah. it's it's really fun to have them available and,
0: I, and sometimes it's just the expediency i mean you, you you talked about like trying to capture ideas quickly or on the fly or trying ideas and if you know that you turn on a certain compressor and run drums to it and do a parallel bus that's going to fill in the thing easily then you just, yeah. you just solve that problem right without even trying you yeah know? so you have you know we have fallbacks that, that make our jobs easier and the equipment that is appropriate for the jobs makes it quicker and
1: easier exactly you know
0: yeah I, just, I was telling some client the other day i said i'm not just going to turn it you got to tell me why this thing i got to hear why a channel needs eq i'm not just going to start turning knobs and seeing what i hear right i'm not at all interested in that there's not right. that does not appeal to me at all how can you find what you want if you don't know you what know, you want <laughs> if i listen to a guitar and i go it's too dull then i know what to do i brighten it up with something right You know, what? (laughs) Why would you start just tweaking on it because you can? Yeah. You're going to wait. You're never going to get done. Right.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Super strange. It's, um, it's, I just have to remind myself sometimes with all the stuff. You know, (laughs) now I'm in the privileged position of having a lot of cool equipment, but, uh, it really isn't. It's not about the equipment. It's, you know, at all. I mean,
0: one of the great things is to, have you noticed, especially like in your case, they're hiring you and the studio comes as part of the package, you know, on most of your sessions. So it's like you've outputted the studio. People don't ask as much anymore about what you have. You right. Know, I'm assuming that I've got the same thing even with this very commercially oriented studio like Jackpot where we have freelancers and everything. People don't even go anymore. Like, do you have Pro Tools? They don't even ask that. Right. They just book time. And they don't even ask if we're going to record the tape or not sometimes. Or anything, what they're in, they they just go, oh, what do you think that's about? Isn't it? You noticed that though, right? Because it used to be so many questions when they would book time, and now there's no questions.
1: That's true. Yeah. But is that probably because if they're coming to you because they like Larry Crane, then they're like, I don't care, whatever Larry likes. He'll start it out, he knows
0: what he wants to do. Yeah, that's kind of a nice thing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. You know, it's funny. I remember
1: we should have a little side fake room that's just like a a mackie and you know a a quadroverb and show that walk them into that when they first came here and see see if they really don't care about the equipment (laughs) you know
0: in the old studio we had that little front just like we do here we had a little front room and uh i swear to god somebody i was someone was coming to tour the studio once and they walked in there and they just went well okay and i'm like no this is the lounge (laughs) I was like, holy shit, they think I'm to pull some gear out of a cupboard start <laughs> recording them. Like, holy christ man <laughs> yeah yeah we like, gotta put the couch in the
1: corner and <laughs> guess they had low expectations <laughs> isn't
0: that awesome that's great should just leave like a four track cassette recorder and a pair of fostex headphones uh, yeah. sitting out there and be like here we go <laughs> yeah get an extra
1: 50 bucks a day for the front room <laughs> yeah
0: it's a songwriting suite <laughs> retreat <laughs> retreat
1: that that
0: said though have you? Is there any new piece of gear oh. that you're playing with that you that you got recently that's kind of fun?
1: Man, I see you've got a BG2 over there. I, I do have a BG2. <laughs> I, that that's pretty new in my world. And, yeah, and I've been enjoying that thoroughly. Just, that's a
0: that's a Highland Dynamics BG2 made by Bryce Gonzalez.
1: Oh man, that thing is. Yeah, legit. that's
0: a, I, You know, it's great now because you you walk into studios like in LA and you see those in the racks now. Right. Because he's down there, and it's like. And you're like,
1: yeah, that's that's Bryce. Man. Yeah. Man, I think the word's getting out. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's yeah. really good. I, I really... I think that's one of those things. When you're first learning recording, compression's hard to understand, isn't it? Yeah. And, and also the thing that... Like the different compressors really kind of change the tonality of things. Like 1176 is all... I'll be like, oh, I'm gonna kind of grit grit up this bass a little bit, you know, and not not in the overdrive way or all buttons in, but just it changes the sound.
1: Yeah, it's got a little growl. Yeah,
0: Yeah. and I just I think of them as like those kind of tools a lot, and yeah, you know,
1: I mean, I I learned to appreciate compressors as color boxes before I really could appreciate like dynamic leveling. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I mean somebody showed me the all buttons in on a, an 1176 kind of you know in in my early early days and i was like all right i'll be just doing that on everything <laughs> for for a week <laughs> yeah but yeah. um
0: it's like the distressor like going that's what the distressor and right then, and then going oh, i can't put every track on nuke <laughs> yeah
1: well in these days i mean you listen to records I and mean, compressors have they're an effects box. Yeah, yeah. You know, which is yeah, it's not what they were really invented for, but it's <laughs> no. what they've become. Limiters, I guess, yeah. even more so, but a lot of compressors are yeah. almost being used as limiters. Yeah. That's um, true. And I mean I love I love I love that as an option. We're talking um,
0: through a compressor right now. You can see it over here. Oh there. We know, man. Know, the retro. Does this sound rubber. warm and gushy?
1: I hope it's I hope it's tube <laughs> and analog <laughs> and warm. <laughs> We're going to tape, right? Oh, shit. (laughs) Can can I I fix a few
0: things? (laughs) You can do some tape splicing for the (laughs) podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, this podcast has been recorded at 2496. No, we're not. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Find us online at tapeop.com, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next time.